after that joyous uh, spirit, then let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would welcome us into your presence today and be with us as we hear your word. Do not let me, your servant, stand in the way of your people hearing that word. Let it come through clearly that we might know not only how awesome you are, but how much you love us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, how did it go this week loving your neighbors? Hmm. I should like make you all pick a number, one to five. Self-assessment. We've heard some pretty bold challenges lately to spend generously because Jesus says you, you can't, your heart will never have treasure until you can spend generously on others. Uh, we've heard to share a substance, the food that really satisfies for uh, us with life. So that is true bread, physical bread, but also the, the bread of life that is Jesus to, to chew on that. Uh, because a body that has been broken for you, it, it, how can you not break it in your own life, break your own life and your own body to give that substance to others? Those are big challenges. Uh, I had a couple challenges, a couple chances to embrace those challenges and to love my neighbors. And I don't know how it went. Um, Messed something up. I had to decide what to do about that situation. We had to have a difficult, how is our communication uh, conversation going with the council? One of these, how is our communication here? And, you know, those are always difficult conversations to have, a little bit frightening. We had to have a what about masks kind of conversation. That's another one that's a little bit uh, of a frightening situation and uh, an opportunity both good and rife with uh, rife with opportunities to really mess up and to love your neighbors. Probably the most difficult chance I had the week and during the week to love neighbors was uh, I went out to lunch or appetizers or whatever you want to call it with uh, somebody to celebrate the end of their tenure end of their working days wanted just to thank the person but you know I, I, I went into this meal where we're acquaintances trying to become friends thankful for the work that he did and it was I was terrified. I was afraid. I was afraid that I was going to say the wrong thing in this situation. And, you know, here's the guy going off. want to say thanks, but also want to have chance to meet after that and to increase our friendship and strengthen our friendship. And it's so hard to know what to say. Right? I mean, are you afraid of losing friends right now? You have, you have almost no, I feel like I have almost no idea where people stand on anywhere of a myriad of issues. And, and you might just open your mouth and walk into a, a, a a topic and you think, oh man, I can never get out of this one again and you're never going to want to talk to me again, right? Uh, it's hard to know what to do toward other people. That's why we've heard Jesus' clear instructions to to love others by spending some money, by, by sharing that substance that really satisfies. But it's also hard to actually do even what we know we should do. Uh, are you afraid of getting sick? You know, it's just interacting with certain people right now might uh, might be dangerous to your health or the health of the people around you. Are, are you afraid of of losing your job? You know, uh, it's not just people who make mistakes, but it's it's people who are the wrong age. They have the wrong skill set. They have the wrong education. You're wrong in countless ways. Who who lose jobs? Are you afraid of your kids losing their education? When the system is in so much upheaval, you start to wonder, man, will my kids ever recover from this setback? Jesus says today, here's what you do when you face all sorts of danger. This is Matthew chapter 14. 
He walks on the water. The event is pretty straightforward. He finishes feeding the 15 or 20,000. They've they've finished eating. Uh, The disciples help with the kitchen duty. Then they head out across the lake to go home. Jesus has stayed behind to say goodbye to the people, to do a little pastoral love with the people who want to talk to him afterwards. Takes a few hours. He gets out on the lake. He walks to meet the disciples in the boat. The disciples see Jesus. They're terrified. It's a ghost, they cry out. They, they, they have fear. And Jesus wanted them to face the fear. Take courage, he says. Take courage. Take courage is what leaders have told people, good leaders, wise leaders, take courage for, for, for forever. Good leaders have always said this. Just, uh, Joshua led the Israelites. He told them as they headed into the the land of Canaan, be strong and courageous. Confucius, it's not just in the Bible, Confucius says wisdom, compassion, and courage are the three universally recognized moral qualities of human beings. I'm more of a Disney guy myself. So last year, we got to see the new Dumbo come out and the great line from the new Dumbo movie, find your courage, right? Find your courage. Jesus says two things for us today so we can have courage when we face danger. And we're going to get them both from Matthew chapter 14 and following. If you want to take your Bibles out, we can look at that together if you'd like with me. Two things about courage. So the first thing that I think we, we would want to say about courage is that you can only have courage when you face danger. You can only have courage when you face danger. So, so you might think immediately, I don't really need that much courage because my life is fairly safe. And that's not what Jesus, well, let's, Jesus won't let you get away with that, basically. You should notice that the disciples are not afraid from the waves and the water. Did you catch that in the, in the verse 26? The disciples saw him walking on the lake. Then they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. See, for the ancients especially, the sea was this symbol of uncontrollable, untamable power. It was wild. Life is full of many tests, and the greatest of them was the sea. But the sea didn't frighten the disciples. The spiritual force, whatever that was, the spiritual force coming across the water frightened the disciples. They thought Jesus was a ghost. They didn't fear the water. They feared this supernatural, this spiritual force coming at them. What was Jesus up to here? It's easy to think that the ancients were all spiritual people. You know, they had a God for everything. Of course, they thought about the supernatural stuff all the time. Somebody might use Jonah as an example and say, look, here's Jonah. Jonah goes out on a ship. The ship gets caught in a storm. And the sailors tell Jonah, call on your God so we can be saved. And, and people will look at that and say, look, see, all of the ancients were supernatural. They just love this spiritual stuff. We modern people, we're so secular, you know, we're so unspiritual. And that's okay. We've gotten smarter. But the ancients, that's, that's not true. That, the ancients weren't all that supernatural. They weren't all that spiritual. Because before the sailors told Jonah to call on his God, they threw all the cargo shit off their ship so that they could be saved. They really weren't that spiritual. They weren't that supernatural. They just wanted to survive. And Jesus here, he is saying, you know, the only thing, the only way to handle the tests and the trials and the stuff of life is you've got to address the supernatural side of it. 
you got to see the supernatural side of the spiritual side of all of this stuff. The disciples needed to consider the God of, of the winds and the waves. The disciples needed to, to think about the Lord Yahweh who was just and merciful. The disciples needed to, to put into their minds and pay attention to the king and the creator of all things. They needed to bow before him. They needed to raise their hands in prayer. And they needed to hold their head, to some extent, in shame. If the sea is the ultimate symbol that, that life is uncontrollable, then there is no doubt that everything else in life is also uncontrollable. And ultimately, there is a spiritual side to all of it. And, and we fail, we, well, we fail to miss that. We miss the danger in life. Right? We miss the, the danger that is coming to get us. And this is, this is, um, what? It's not, it, it's, it's definitely still true. You can, you can see it. Jonathan Haidt wrote this book back in 2006 called The Happiness Hypothesis. And for those of you who like to be happy, this is a um, good example. And, and so he, he puts in the book, he says, okay, I want you to hypothesize. Make up with me two people. Call them Bob and Mary. We're going to take Bob first. Good name for a happy guy, right? Bob is 35 years old. He is white, Caucasian. He lives in Southern California. He is attractive. He is athletic. He makes $100,000 a year. He's highly intellectual. He spends his free time reading books and going to museums. Mary, he says, Mary and her husband live in snowy Buffalo, New York. They earn a combined income of $40,000. Mary is 65 years old, black. She's a little overweight. She's plain in appearance. She's highly social. And she spends her free time mostly in activities related to her church. She has dialysis for kidneys. Or she's on kidney dialysis. And then he says, okay, if you had to bet which one was happier, you should definitely say Mary. Isn't that amazing? Right? Do you see how big a difference this is? I mean, California versus Buffalo? Who would pick Buffalo? Okay, if you say you hate California, just don't tell my wife. She's from California, right? She loves the place. A huge gap in income, everything else. And yet he says, if you had to bet which one is happier, bet Mary. She's addressed the supernatural. She's seen the supernatural in the trials and the tests of life. And you and I, we have to address that supernatural. If you're thinking of all of the, the difficulties that we are facing... Right, masks and justice and poverty and racism and crime and everything else, and and you don't see the supernatural. We don't see the supernatural in it. Well, we won't have courage. So that's the first thing on on on, on courage. You, you need to see the super. That's the first super, the supernatural. The second thing on courage uh, in, is, and you can follow if you're following along in the notes here. You know, you saw that the first one we just filled out. The first super is supernatural. The second thing I encourage, it comes right after it. it. Courage is really hard to define. Courage is best pictured as the middle between being frozen or fear and recklessness. And, and courage is in the middle. See, if you never tell anyone that you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you believe in Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, then that's probably fear. 
You never tell anybody about your pastor. If, if you tell everybody, if the first thing you say to people, your, your coworkers and your neighbors and your friends and your boss uh, and, you know, your politicians, your representatives, you say, hi, I'm Pete and I believe in Jesus. What about you? Well, then that's probably just reckless. That's very Im- implied to people's relationships. It's amazing here, right? It's amazing because in a moment, Peter steps out of a boat and walks on water. That's not reckless. It's just courage. What makes him do that? Jesus says to the people in the boat, take courage, it is I. He says, take courage, it's I. And when he says it's I, what he says literally is I am, I am. So he, he claims, um, if you're reading in your Bibles, it's not going to say that because it would be weird to read in your Bibles, take courage, I am. You'd, you'd say to yourself, well, what happened to the disciples? You know, I want to know the rest of the story. Uh, it would be weird to, to have that. But what Jesus is doing when he says, take courage, I am, or it is I, he claims the divine name for himself. When God sent Abram to a new land, he said, I am. I am is sending you. And when God sent Jacob down to Egypt, he said, I am. And when God sent Moses uh, up out of the, uh, from, at the burning bush down to get the people out of Egypt, he said, I am. And when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments to send them into the land of Canaan, he said, I am. He, he's announcing himself. But it's weird. It's odd, isn't it? Uh, because if I go into the house at the end of the day, I say, hi, all. I'm home. And, and if I sneak into the bedroom at night and I don't want everybody to wake up, but they kind of stir, you know, and they're saying, who's there? Who's there? I say, it's just me. But I never say, it is I, or it's I. That'd be weird, wouldn't it? But Jesus, Jesus says, it's I. I, I am. It's personal. It, it's intimate. It's, I am present with you. I am here with you. I am personally here with you. There's something incredibly personal, incredibly beautiful in these words, because Jesus is saying it's not enough to bring an end to your trials, and I'm not satisfied with stopping the tests in your life, but I am personally with you in the midst of the trials and the troubles of your life. Let's talk about those trials and the troubles and, and the fears for a moment. What is your greatest fear? Fear the loss of your health? Fear death? Fear the loss of your wealth, the loss of income, the loss of a job, the loss of your intelligence. Maybe you fear that you won't become anything in life. You'll just kind of float along and, and do nothing. Right? Maybe you fear that you'll you'll never get married. Maybe you'll fear you'll always be married. I don't know. What keeps you up at night, right? On the cross, Jesus took our greatest nightmare. The ultimate nightmare is is alienation from God. If there is a God and that God wants to be with you, then the worst thing that could possibly happen to any of us in the world is that we would be separated from him. And Jesus Christ took the ultimate nightmare on himself. That ultimate poverty, the ultimate loneliness, the ultimate death is is to be lost, to be completely and alienated from the experience of God. And, and on the cross, Jesus experienced that cosmic alienation. Also, he could say to you, in the midst of the trials and the troubles, it is I. It is I. And this can give you more amazing courage than you ever maybe even imagined. I know some of you probably get tired of the Lord of the Rings illustrations because you've never seen the movie. But here's the thing. The Hobbits and the Lord of the Rings, it's all about courage. 
So if you need a little courage to face some hard things in your life, you need to go home today and have a Lord of the Rings marathon. It's only like 10 hours. You'll be done at like 2 o'clock, and then you can go to bed. Right? But the, the, gist, the gist of the story is that Sam and Frodo, they're two best friends, and Sam is trying to help Frodo accomplish a great quest. Sam has been defending him. At one point, he gets Frodo out of a tower, and he says, Here I come. Kind of like Jesus, it's me. But then, right, but he's not Jesus. So he fights and he gets Frodo out, but they're on the way of the quest and he's scared, he's frightened, he's terrified. Until he, he one day he looks up in the sky. He saw a white star twinkle. And the beauty of it struck his heart. And in the moment there was a, a shaft, a clear, cold thought pierced him that in the end, the shadow was only a small and passing thing. There was light, and there was beauty, and there was majesty, and there was glory beyond it all. He had, he had before fought in defiance because he was thinking only about himself. But now as he, he thought about the light and the beauty and the glory that was far beyond, he thought about the star that said, here it is I. Now he could rest. It's not that his fear faded. It's that the light overwhelmed the fear. And when you grasp the real power, the beauty, the strength, the glory in the midst of your trials that shines beyond, maybe your fear won't fade. But the light will fill you with power. Right? That's, the, that's our super, our second super. It's a super power. So can you join me? Let's, let's do what we can to love our neighbors courageously. This kind of, of courage does not come easy, but it also has huge benefits. Huge, huge benefits. One example that I think of is there's a woman in the Bible named Abigail, and Abigail is married to a woman named Nabal. Nabal, that name means fool. He was a foolish man, a very foolish man. He, we don't think he was abusive, but uh, he was just rude. He ignored his wife. He was unresponsive to the people around him, and he was a drunk. He, David, after he had been anointed to be king, but before he took the throne, was living in the hills around Nabal's area, Nabal's uh, land. And he protected, he, it, the Bible says he was a wall for Nabal's sheep. He protected Nabal's flocks and his herds. And then finally great uh, shepherding time or, or harvest time came when it was time to shear the sheep and to gather in all the crops. King David, king to be David, sent some men to Nabal to congratulate him and to ask him politely if he could have a little bit of food since he had helped out all so much. Nabal responded by accusing David of insurrection and rebellion. He said, who is this David guy? Why should I help him? David was ticked. He was going to send his men to, to kill Nabal. Nabal clearly knew that David was supposed to be king. Abigail, the wife, found out from a servant what had happened. She hurried and made food for a couple hundred people, sent it with a servant to David to ask for forgiveness. David forgave him. David forgave her. But more importantly, David praised God because Abigail kept him from committing, well, from falling under God's judgment. That's the kind of awesome thing that can happen when you and I have courage that comes through faith. Not that we get more glory, but that God gets amazing glory 
and you, as you hold on to the supernatural and the superpower, you'll have more courage for those things than you ever imagined. Let's pray for that. Heavenly Father, it is a, a difficult time to be courageous. There's a lot of conflict, a lot of fear flying around. We pray that we might be like Abigail, to be courageous in the face of real danger, to boldly go forward and to ask for forgiveness, and that like David, king-to-be, we might humbly receive that call to repentance even, and thank and praise God that he has kept us from greater evil. We pray that this kind of courage would rise up in our lives as we see the star, the light, the glory that is Jesus Christ, gaze on his beauty and know him well. We pray for this in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.